Coming up on This Week in Games, Activision Blizzard has massive layoffs following a weak financial report, Apex Legends breaks another Twitch record, and rumors about Unity eyeing the 2020 IPO surface. Coming up This Week in Games. week for your video game industry news rundown i'm your host eric mcconnell and this week we uh we had a lot of bad news but there's some optimism at the end i think the bad news mainly comes from the big news which kind of every news site was covering multiple articles multiple stories reddit was on fire about this and that's activision blizzard had massive layoffs to the tune of hundreds of employees so this started early in the week. There were early leaks um, by both Bloomberg and Kotaku to Activision Blizzard was planning on cutting hundreds of jobs right before their Q4 earnings call. The reasons cited were, frankly, you know, nothing that <laughs> no one didn't know. Destiny 2 Forsaken had sales that were pretty low. I mean, so low that the publisher was willing to part ways with Bungie without any sort of fight. Call of Duty Black Ops 4 showed that Call of Duty is in fact on a decline and probably should have had a story mode. And a number of top Activision and top Blizzard brass had either been shuffled around or outright left in the last few months. So things were uh, pretty prime for Activision to make make uh, either some big changes or start cutting heads. And that's exactly what they did. So the rumors ended up being true. Activision Blizzard cut 8% of their workforce, which is almost 800 jobs. It's rough. It's hard to say who got hit the hardest, so I'm going to run through them. King was hit very, very hard, so King lost both at Seattle and San Francisco studios. And when I say loss, I mean everyone. They're shutting down. So the Seattle and the San Francisco offices were closed. 78 jobs were lost in Seattle and San Francisco. The number wasn't disclosed, but I mean, we have to assume it was something neighboring in that same ballpark. Blizzard got hit very hard as well. Mostly, though, IT, QA, publishing, marketing, and esports lost jobs. And the rumor has it is that Activision heads are not very happy with the OC company's pace of producing games. Blizzard famously said they'll, they'll release the game on Blizzard time, which means whenever we want, because we produce blah, 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 these amazing, epic high-scale games, which used to be true. I would say all of that was, like, okay. Before, I'm gonna, I always harp, Diablo 3, to me, was, like, the major turning point, because that's when Blizzard really started turning into a scumbag company when they had the Real Money Auction House. The Real Money Auction House, easily one of the top 10 worst decisions by a major franchise. And, uh, yeah, it doesn't, that whole, like, we'll release it when we release it, mentality works when you're winning like game of the year you're winning giant praise you're winning stuff for writing and storytelling when we start releasing games that are just you know hit this button to make dopamine come out and give us money uh yeah you, you can't use that same excuse so rumor uh blizzard was hit very very hard another team that was hit hard clearly i mean let's face it if bungie is parting ways and they're no longer Activision Blizzard is no longer going to publish Destiny. Then all the Destiny-related publishing teams uh, were cut significantly. So the Destiny publishing team in Activision Santa Monica Studio had very significant layoffs, and anyone left uh, from those cuts was switched over to Call of Duty or other franchises. 
Vicarious Visions and High Moon Studios were also hit by layoffs. These studios pretty much a lot of times end up playing support to the kind of main studios that develop Destiny or Call of Duty. And so it makes sense that these support studios were also hit hard. And it also makes sense that Europe, Latin America, and other international Activision offices were also hit, mainly in the publishing departments as well, mainly because, you know, they're not going to be publishing Destiny anymore and Call of Duty isn't doing as well, so why have a beefy publishing staff for a franchise on the decline? Another one that was hit super hard was Blizzard's French office in Vercel's. I'm sure I pronounced that wrong. Versailles, Versailles, one of those. And uh, pretty much the entire office was cut. It's said to have lost 134 jobs. This is rough. It's like 800 jobs is nothing to blink at. It's a large portion of the game industry. I would like 800 jobs has to be like a half a percent of everyone who works in the video game industry, especially on the AAA side. God, that's a lot. CEO Bobby Kotick. I never said his name out loud. Um, sounds weird. Bobby Kotick. CEO Bobby Kotick said the cuts were necessary because he wants to fund a 20% increase in game development roles that focus on their top franchises. So if you notice, a lot of these were publishing jobs, IT, QA, a bit of marketing, a bit of esports, you know, some of these other divisions. Not a lot of jobs in game development. I guess you can almost count uh, the king jobs is game development jobs, but still not a lot of jobs in game development. So yeah, I mean, if he wants to increase game development by 20%, got to make the job cuts and you say, oh, well, he can just lose his salary. Oh, don't they make a bunch of money? Well, shares of Activision Blizzard, um, after the earnings call fell to a two-year low and they dropped 7.3% at closing during the day of the earnings calls. And that was mainly because you know, people put this meme online right now where it's like record revenue year. And of course, the CEO is going to say record revenue year, blah, blah, blah. In fact, net revenue, which is, I guess, a more accurate way of measuring revenue, they came in 200 million under kind of analyst expectations and their own predictions. So not that great of a quarter for Activision Blizzard. And it's really tough. I mean, it's really tough to blame anyone for any of this stuff. I'm the product of multiple <laughs> game industry layoffs. Um, I feel their pain. At the time, I was very angry. It's very easy to point fingers. Uh, I guess being a little older and a little more advanced in my career, you know, you start to see things from other sides. And yeah, it's just hard. It's hard if you're in a non, if you're in an expandable position, which is like a game company at base needs to make a game, right? So they need programmers and artists, and that's pretty much it. And then they expand that. You can have designers and producers, and then you expand that even more. You expand that all the way out to, like, QA and IT. And even IT is a critical role. I mean, QA and IT are critical roles, but, like, to some extent, they can be commoditized by third parties or a central team. And, yeah, if a company wants to shift around money or place bets somewhere else and they're beholden to the stockholders to not just blow their cash reserves, they got to make cuts and it sucks. Like I hear everyone, I see the memes, it just sucks. There's no real answer to this stuff. Yeah, and I think the other problem is is Activision Blizzard looking at like look at what they have. 
they're they have a bunch of old franchises that are old and kind of getting stale so blizzard isn't exactly rushing out new ip i i still hold to this day that overwatch made them a bunch of money for like whatever eight months before PUBG came out and like overwatch really didn't hit what they thought it was going to hit like they built actual esports arenas specifically for overwatch teams and i guarantee you they don't get the viewerships i don't think anyone's making money on overwatch league uh i think overwatch you know had a chance to be the biggest game and you know just didn't end up doing that because of battle royale game popularity then you look outside of overwatch and yeah, I mean, they're chugging along with World of Warcraft. I think that's actually still a profitable franchise. I know they begrudgingly don't really want to work on it. Hearthstone, to me, has declined a lot. I don't know the raw numbers. I can't imagine. I, I Anecdotally, I don't know people who are excited about Hearthstone. I don't see it pop up on Twitch a lot as the top stream. Um, what else do they have? They have Diablo, which they kind of murdered with Diablo 3, in my opinion. And Diablo Immortal was kind of like them kind of peeing on the ashes of that. Uh, yeah, I I don't think they're going to do anything with StarCraft 2 or Warcraft strategy games. You know, I really just can't see them going into those departments because they're just not as profitable. And they're owned by Activision. And Activision is, you know, the largest market cap in North America games. And, yeah, I mean... Blizzard's not doing great. And then Activision really just has Call of Duty and they really just know how to milk it. And they're trying to get into these publishing other big games and it's not really working. You know, they really never hit it off with Destiny. Um, They had a couple of other smaller bets. And then King is another victim of their own success because King, I mean, I could be wrong, but they struggle to make significant money. And why significant money, I mean, top... 20 top 50 grossing ios and android uh for anything that doesn't have candy in the title so it's just like yeah king's another one victim of their own success i don't know where activision's going i don't know kind of like what they're gonna do next i really hope uh they really just stop i i mean when you're at this stage with a company and i'm playing armchair board member ceo but you got to start making ip bets okay you don't need 80 billion studios working on Call of Duty. Just say, okay, the next Call of Duty is still going to have a Battle Royale mode. We'll reskin it with whatever theme we'll do, and we'll make a story mode, but we don't need to invest a trillion dollars in Call of Duty. And take these other studios and be like, look, you guys get one swing at the IP hammer, and if you fail a lot, we'll shut down your studio. If you fail a little bit, your studio will stay open and we'll throw you back on another franchise or you could hit out of the park and your studio could be like the next big earner. You know, I think they have a lot of talented people over there in Activision. I think they can do it. Blizzard's another story where I think Blizzard at this point is going to turn into like a non-mobile games as a service company that really serves their fan base in South Korea and China. Probably won't return to the greatness that they are to North America because and I mean, I'm sure internally they're working on great games, but I just don't see the execution coming out of Blizzard. And uh, King, I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do with King. The one thing I do wonder, though, is, you know, there's a, a large exodus of executives over the last few months. And, you know, people left, people got shuffled, people got shuffled, then left. 
And what I really wonder at this point is, were all of those executives involved in that giant mess, were they the reason that kind of Activision Blizzard is where it is? Were they the reason that they didn't hit earnings? Were they the reason that this shit isn't hitting deadlines, that they're not executing plans? Or were they actually the smart ones who sat there and saw this coming, who brought up like, who brought up points and were like, hey, Bobby, this shit is fucking up. Like, we need to change this. And then they just got so frustrated because they couldn't have any impact on change that they themselves left. Who knows? But, you know, that's the type of stuff I wonder when you see like a lot of key people leave and you hear the rumors of, you know, Activision is trying to cut Blizzard leadership and this and that. And you have to think that those people clearly knew something we didn't know. But that's the sad news. Um, what happened to Activision Blizzard is, and what's happening there right now, is almost what's ha- what happened at EA. And then EA got their little lucky spark. And that's our next story. Apex Legend breaks Fortnite's single-day viewing record on Twitch. So the new king of Twitch makes another statement. Respawn made an event. The event was named Twitch Rivals, and it accrued a record-breaking 8.4 million hours viewed over the one-day event, beating Fortnite's Season 5 launch event of 7.2 million hours viewed. Sadly, though, this isn't number one. This makes it the fourth most-watched event. The first three were all Counter-Strike Go events, but this is the number one Battle Royale most-watched event of all time. Apex Legend kind of made a statement and said, we're not a fad. And we're here to stay. And I'll cover its effect on EA stock in a little bit. But next up, continuing with Battle Royale, Tencent wants to continue their Chinese Battle Royale monopoly by bringing Apex Legends to the land of government-controlled releases. So, a Chinese newspaper, the South South China Morning Star, reports Tencent is currently in talks with EA to bring the new hotness of Battle Royale's Apex Legends to China. This is interesting, and it's not interesting because, of course, people want to bring whatever's hot right now to China because China's a giant audience. Apex Legends the hottest thing right now. Let's release it in China. Obviously, Tencent wants their hands and all the cookie jars. And Tencent is kind of like one of the two government duopoly companies that the government basically says, hey, you guys control the inflow of foreign games into our country and we'll only grant you licenses. The interesting part is this will be the first non- major battle royale game that Tencent releases in China that they don't have their hand in the entire cookie jar. So they'll likely take a cut of revenue for all Chinese revenue in this, but Tencent does not hold any interest that I know of in EA. And that's interesting because Tencent has an estimated 40% stake in Epic, who owns Fortnite. They have an estimated 11.5% stake in Bluehole, the owners of PUBG. And they're the publisher for the two local Battle Royale games, Knives Out, and Rules of Survival. So this would be an interesting take where um, EA doesn't give Tencent a giant portion of equity in returns for releasing Apex Legends in China. I don't know. That's pretty interesting. All right. This story is pretty funny. (laughs) U.S. Copyright Office denies Alfonso Ribeiro a copyright on the Carlton dance. So Alfonso Ribeiro's known for his role as Carlton on the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. He had a famous dance called the Carlton. Um, It was like snapping your fingers and waving your arms back and forth. 
uh, Afonso filed the copyright. I don't think you file copyright. I guess you petition the copyright office to aid in his lawsuit against Epic Games, who is profiting off the selling of the dance as a premium item in Fortnite, and the item is called Fresh. So the Epic Games lawyer chimed in, no one can own a dance step. Copyright law is clear that an individual dance step and simple dances are routines and are not protected by copyright, but rather a building block of free expression, which are then used in public domain for choreographers, dancers, and general public use to use, perform, and enjoy. The Copyright Office agreed with him. I actually heard an entire podcast breaking this down, basically saying individual dance moves can't be copyrighted. And if they could, it could actually lead to you getting sued for doing that dance move in the bar, technically. Or the bar could get sued for allowing you to do that dance move. Instead, entire choreographs are copyrightable. So the example used was the entire kind of stage performance of the Nutcracker has a copyright but individual moves within the nutcracker that even if they're unique to the nutcracker cannot be copywritten i kind of agree with everything um there are even interviews where alfonso recites where he stole the original dance from this wasn't like something he just poofed out of midair he actually stole it from somewhere i don't remember the exact story you can look it up later the other lawsuit going on right now is Backpack Kid, who's attempting to sue for the use of the floss dance, another dance that was quote-unquote stolen from Fortnite to be sold. I kind of got double down again. Like, Backpack Kid isn't even, like, floss has been around forever. And, like, just because you had one viral video doesn't mean you own the rights to this and that no one else can use this dance. Come on. <sighs> Come on. Come on, people. <laughs> Not good. You can't. Just because you had a viral video of some dance that someone else made up doesn't mean you deserve money because then someone after you sells that dance as an emote in a video game. Ridiculous. A kind of like Passover story that's more funny than anything. Esports is now recognized as, as a profession in China. So it's kind of more of an attention-grabbing headline than any meaningful announcement, but China's Ministry of Human Resources and Social Security approves eSport as an official profession. Get ready for regulations and taxes, all eSport professionals. The one funny thing is, is <laughs> they did in the description of it include boosting accounts, which is basically like, it's either like you log on to my account and you're a professional player and you play my account to get me to a certain rank or we figure out a way where I can play a bunch of like fake accounts and beat them and rank up myself. That's actually included in the esports profession. So China not even batting an eye on <laughs> what's going on over there. All right, let's get to some business news because this is a biggie. Unity rumor, allegedly, Unity eyes 2020 for their big IPO. And this is going to be a big one, and it's been a long time coming. Cheddar, who I made fun of in many previous episodes, but is now becoming a staple in games-related finance reporting, Cheddar reports Unity is looking to the first half of 2020 for an IPO, and they quote, as long as market conditions are favorable. Interesting, interesting. Um, I think right now they're very undervalued. So Unity's last fundraising round was, I, I think, in like June of 2018. The fundraising round valued the company at like $3 billion. CEO John Riccicelli, former EA CEO, told Cheddar that the firm was generating kind of like $300 million per year. I, I, I guess I believe that. 
I just think that their valuation, they, they're worth more than that revenue outright. To add to that, Unity estimates almost half of mobile games and around 60% of augmented reality and VR games are built in Unity. Here's what I want to see. Whatever, buy Unity IPO. Clearly, like people who invested early in it finally want to get their giant payout. Good for them. What I want to see in a Unity IPO is Unity actually move into another vertical or horizontal in the game industry. And those two are specifically either publishing or digital store for games. Now, I would have said digital store for games about a year ago, but now digital stores for games is so crowded, so messed up. Let's let the dust settle on that. I really want to see Unity going into publishing. I think there's room for like a very big United player in A or AA publishing like Unity could be. And Unity maintains the engine that almost every A or AA PC console or mobile game uses. So why not they become the publisher for it? They're already getting into ads. Yeah, like, yeah, ads is a good idea too. I mean, ads you can integrate straight with your engine. However, I think you need to get into publishing Unity and uh, tap me to lead that publishing arm because that would be awesome. No, no, but seriously, I think Unity, I think kind of like A and AA publishing don't have a big name and someone who's willing to stay at these small and mid-range bets but have like hundreds of them and i think unity could be that person i don't know what am i saying i'm just a dude on a podcast but i do know something apex legend has hoisted ea on its back and has independently climbed the stock above where it was during its q3 to q4 earnings dip for those you don't remember because no one remembers stock earning dips in the game industry. Following their Q3 earnings, EA's stock dropped 18% by the closing day. This was almost because of the poor, almost solely because of the poor performance of Battlefield 5. So Battlefield 5, I don't remember, it like missed a million uh, shipments. You know, like no one bought that game. And EA stock dropped 18% because of it. So following the successful release of Apex Legends, pretty much like a week or two ago, EA stock has not only bounced back, but it's actually higher than it was before the dip and is on a new trajectory to even go higher. Apex Legend is basically looking to single-handedly save EA, and it's kind of like hilarious because EA dumped tons of money into Anthem, which frankly I don't think is performing at all. I don't think it's going to perform. I think Anthem Anthem, to me, looks like a dud. Apex Legend was like a last-ditch effort to save a studio after Respawn kind of got rejected for a third Titanfall installment. And, you know, these Battle Royale Royale games are here to stay, and they're kind of like the top moneymakers in the game industry. And you, you can say what you want about Battle Royale games, but frankly, I'm very happy that they're here because... Yes, they have loot boxes and so on, but they're actually a quality game where like emergent experiences can come from. There's social, there's community, and uh, I'm just so glad that shitty mobile strategy and match three games are no longer the ultimate cash cow. Because the last thing I want to see is like Call of Duty match three and you know Assassin's Creed strategy war game and everyone just having to result to these terrible mobile games, you know, to make money. So very thankful. Good job, Apex Legends. Good job, EA, for kind of letting the studio that 
really didn't knock it out of the park financially. I think Titanfall's very interesting game. Financially didn't knock it out of the park for the first two, letting them take a swing at this. Good job. All right, next up. This one's interesting. So Tencent has officially jumped on board with Netmarble's consortium bid for Nexon. Should be noted, Tencent could easily buy Nexon themselves without the help of the consortium, but there's an interesting reason why they're joining. So the consortium is formed by Netmarble, who's a South Korean company who explicitly stated that they need to own Nexon because if Nexon goes to a foreign investor, probably like they're hinting at SoftBank, uh, one of the North American companies like Activision Blizzard, or frankly Tencent or NetEase in China, that the South Korean gaming market kind of fails, you know, and kind of loses a major piece of the South Korean gaming market. Um, hilariously, though, Tencent owns 17% of Netmarble and is its third largest shareholder. It's not reported how much Tencent is bidding is paying into the consortium, but they'll probably own a significant portion of uh, Nexon if they buy it out. And it's kind of Tencent double dipping. And it's another smart move by Tencent because Tencent can't let Netmarble not win this because Tencent owns the publishing rights to Dungeon Fighter Online in China and likely wants to keep it that way because Dungeon Fighter Online and MapleStory make up all of Nexon's evaluation. And as I covered before, Nexon is roughly evaluated at $9 billion. So smart move by Tencent, obviously double dip, make sure you stay the publisher for Dungeon Fighter Online in China and uh, keep, uh, keep spreading along the game industry, you know? Finally, it's a smaller story. Tiny Build raises $15 million in a Series A funding. Tiny Build is mostly known as the publisher of the game Hello Neighbor, and the $15 million is going to be spent investing in new projects and expanding their Seattle and Amsterdam staff. The only reason I'm covering stories, because this is pretty interesting, is that they don't want to focus in video game-only IP. They want IP that can exist across multiple mediums, such as television, books, and I imagine like comic books, films, whatever they can get their hands on. So they're kind of investing in games to, as like the initial IP breach point, and then trying to spread that IP to all these other mediums. New indie publisher on our hands, I don't know, but I'm I want to call them out. Now, when they get that $15 million for the Series A, and I want to see where they are in like two years, I think. Maybe Tiny Build is starting to have like Hello Neighbor Netflix animation specials. I don't know. But it'd be interesting to see kind of an indie publisher take a stab at this like multifaceted, multimedian um, attack. So let's see what they do later. All right, let's finish off this week in games with two people news. First up. Lincoln Wallen has been tapped as the new Improbable CTO. Improbable is the developer of Spatial OS. Um, I've covered them endlessly. Wallen comes with experience as a CTO for EA Mobile and the CTO of DreamWorks Animations. Now, to me, this is likely a political appointment and not a political appointment as in Wallen has some kind of like political agenda or has leverage to get this position. He's getting moved in as CTO, and the current CTO is moving to a product-facing role. And what this says to me is that the company is getting big enough that their C-suite is basically turning into a fundraising and stock-selling crew. Um, And kind of the people who get shit done are moving to VP or director or kind of like lead product 
or in lead development roles, which is generally what you see. At larger companies, <laughs> I mean, Bobby Kotick is not walking on the dev floor telling people how to implement a game. You know, he's he's the face of the company. He's there to talk to shareholders and interested hedge funds or mutual funds or interested players and, you know, go on CNBC and talk about valuation and stuff. He's not developing this. So Improbable may be moving to that level where there's, they need to bring in a political C, CTO, like someone who knows how to talk to people and knows how to be the face of technology for Improbable and do the sales pitch. So pretty interesting. Let's keep an eye on that. Last up, Geronimo Barrera, VP of Product Development at Rockstar, leaves after 20 years. So he gave a, kind of like a bunch of quotes. If I read between the lines of what he said, it sounds like he basically doesn't want to churn out GTAs and RDRs for the rest of his life, which, to be fair, is fair. I mean, those games take five to seven years to make. They're exhausting. It's a roller coaster ride from beginning to end. He probably is tired of that. Now, it's one of these rare ones where I actually knew Geronimo. I didn't know him very well. He probably doesn't remember my name. I don't know about remembering my face, but I knew him when I worked at Rockstar. He had a kind of reputation of being a very hard ass, and I guess he maybe was. Um, but my personal interaction with him was actually always pleasant. Um, I remember specifically one time in December around the Rockstar Christmas party, my French Bulldog got really sick. I had to be with her every two hours, check on her to make sure she didn't die, take her out. Um, she had stomach surgery, and I had to tell kind of like the secretary at Rockstar that, you know, I can't go to the Christmas party. He was there when I told her, and, you know, his reputation, you would think he would be like, well, why can't you go to the Christmas party? But actually, he was very compassionate. He shared his own stories of his own own bulldog dying early. He told me that's why they're called the heartbreak breed. And, you know, we kind of talked a lot about raising bulldogs and French bulldogs and health problems and dogs and how it's so sad because you outlive them. And I guess my only other major memory with him is like, I remember I worked on a Saturday, I came in, I got some work done. Um, there weren't a lot of people at the office. He came into the office on the Saturday to work too and came by my desk and personally thanked me and shook my hand for coming in. And I think he bought us something like maybe like breakfast croissants or I don't know, something like that. And, you know, that was a good memory. Uh, yeah. 20 years, man. 20 years at one company. So crazy. VP of development, 20 years. What I'm curious is what interests a guy like this with this level of experience and kind of expertise? Like what is going to draw him to a new project? Because this is what's interesting is what is a person who's done? I mean, most people would consider GTA and RDRs like the pinnacle of storytelling and open world game development. And what is what interest a guy who's kind of been at that peak for a while in new projects? Is it going to be AR? Is it going to be VR? Is it going to be decentralized games? Is it going to be like what? What's it going to be? So let's keep an eye on that. You know, I expect um, if I had to wildly guess, I don't expect him to join a another giant company. I could see him like 
joining a smaller company, but it, really I see him raising money and starting his own company, uh, probably work on projects that aren't really meant to turn an insane profit, but are interesting work. So curious to see what this guy works on next. All right, that's it. I'm Eric McConnell. I'll see you guys next week on This Week in Games. Take care.